It's hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are now closer to Friday than we were on Monday, which means we are much closer to a three-day weekend since Monday is a holiday. It is Labor Day, so uh, we won't be going into work that most of us will not be going into work. I work two days next week, and then I'm on vacation. Ken will be here on Thursday. Yep. Next next week. Yes. You looking forward to it? Yeah. Okay. And then I'm trying to think who's doing Friday. Not me. Robert Steinbach. He's do he's doing Friday and then again Monday. Then Alan Kerr will be here Tuesday. Wednesday will be Ken. And Thursday will be Kim. Oh, I'm going right down to I could get really confused here saying Kim Ken. You know, that could get confusing, guys. Real do. So how are you guys doing today? It's a beautiful morning. It is. Yep. It's hard to get up early, early like we'll this. We'll see what it really looks is. like when the daylight gets up, but it's a beautiful <laughs> morning right now. <laughs> is it raining out? My uh, my phone kept telling me it was going to rain for the nope. next hour. It's dry. It's dry. dry out. It's evaporating before Minus, it gets to the ground. <clears throat> it was dry. Minus someone always someone almost hitting me in the parking lot, but it's okay. I'll tell you what, coming over the River Bridge today was an interesting experience because they put barrels out and took two the two right lanes away and they had a truck out there that had a had a you know a lit arrow say move left and why people couldn't figure it out the barrels were pinching down so that meant keep going over to the left yes from those some dude i don't know who it was decided he was going to stop in the middle of the bridge mm. i almost stopped in his rear seat Came really close to it. Probably the same guy that almost hit. Me yeah, in the it might be. Lot. He wasn't driving. Um, wasn't driving an orange car though. <laughs> that wasn't happening. He was in a truck, a white truck. I'm amazed of how people just don't know how to drive or merge. Yeah, or well, that yield. merging. Yeah, they couldn't figure that one out. I don't know what was so tough about it. Although they need to put the barrels differently at that exit that puts you on 430 uh, when you're going towards the west on 30 towards dallas uh, that's really southbound but they'll tell you you're going west but that 30 doesn't start moving west until down beyond arkadelphia <laughs> it's, yes. it's one of the weirdest things i've ever seen you, you just get ready to wait it's one of those things that when it's all said and done it's going to be great yeah I'm, in I, the meantime i really want to see what it's going to look like because they're i can't figure it out usually you kind of look at what they're doing and you can kind of tell what they're trying to get to i have yet to figure out so i'm, I'm not sold on it being great because uh we can't even maintain the roads that we have well that's that's definitely a problem so move over one chair ken <laughs> a little distance between us but yeah this is something that you talk about kim a lot of time kim hammer is here he is state senator got him in the studio today we got several things you want to uh, talk about 
first thing I want to talk about, I've had Dr. Yamauchi on many, many, many times on my show. And and so has Kim. Kim Hammer had him on, what, about three, four weeks ago? About, about three, yeah, three or four Saturdays. By the way, you know why? You know why I do a Saturday noon show, Dave? Because you don't like getting up this early. So I don't have to get up at 5 o'clock to make you happy and come in here. That's why I do Saturday at noon. Well, I like you to come into the studio. It just sounds better. Look, looks better for the people who are watching on Facebook. You just Facebook. don't think I'll answer the phone if you call. That's why you want to see me. Well, I, I, I text you. I, I just I text you. He is a great You're good doctor. About, you're I mean, good. He, is, he is a great doctor. Yes. And what did he say about masks? He said, uh, unless you're wearing an N95, they're pointless. Yeah, they don't work. Yep. They don't work. And he said, if you're putting your kid in one of those blue masks, the the, the paper ones, yeah. they, they might as well not be even wearing a mask. And I'm, I'm thinking about yeah. this, and I'm going, so why are the school systems so you know, adamant about having mask mandates? Well, they talk about, you know, how it, you know, the, the only... Uh, thing that uh, it would be effective on is uh, I think Dr. Yamaguchi said this is uh, uh, you know the spread of droplets, but that's also why we're taught to cough into our uh, shoulder or elbow, sneeze into our shoulder or elbow to stop those droplets, and when you when you need it. Uh, but besides that, I don't even know um, if he even thinks it stops those. To be, yeah, <laughs> be honest with yeah. you, but uh, but you know, I mean, it it's there, it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, the idea that uh, let's go back to what didn't work and try it again and see what happens. Uh, I just don't get it. I don't don't understand why we're continuing to push that narrative. And what I really take exception to is that the state legislature had all these people come in and give them all the facts and figures and everything and decided that masks don't work and say no more mask mandates. Let's just get back to a little bit of normalcy in our schools. Yeah. And what do the schools do? We ain't listening to you. Oh, we're going to sue you. Yeah. You know? Okay. What are you guys going to do to them after this is over? You can cut your funding, I hope. I don't know about that, but let me give you a, let me give you a, <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing, and I'll pull it up in just a minute because I've got I've got people that watch some of the stuff and the number of schools that have mandated masks and those that have not okay they they report on monday and on thursday what the number of their cases are and what their quarantines are okay and i think it'll be this thursday you'll get the first set of data and what's going to be interesting to see and i don't know how it's going to come out that's why it's scientific because you don't direct the outcome you just get the outcome that you set the stage for it's going to be interesting to see if the schools that have been masked up have fewer number of cases Mm -hmm. and fewer number of quarantines versus the schools that do not have masks and do a side-by-side comparison because me to me that would be a a maybe not scientific but it will at least be an exercise to show does it work or does it not with regards to the number of cases and quarantines this right here for your viewing audience you'll just have to use your mind if you're not this is a this is a hospitalized COVID-19 patients in Arkansas from April to August of 21st. Okay. And that's, that is the chart. Okay. And I think I've got this on, if I may give a shameless plug, the KimHammerShow.com yeah, website. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you notice from April up to December, 
about half of that time frame, especially when it goes to the higher side, was when we were under a mask mandate. Okay. This, this was the original COVID-19. What do you see with the mask mandate happening from about halfway up until December? It goes up. Yeah, it went up. With the mask mandate. Well, if the masks are working, then why it would you have an down, increase right? in the spike? Now, this is this is a scientific piece. The 1A to the 1B is when the vaccines started being given, which you see a spike still under mask mandate. You see a secondary spike. But the real drop was when people started getting the vaccine and the mask mandate came off and it held flat to the end, which the new variants came up then. Right. I'm just showing you this to say that even with the mask mandate, the increase in cases continued to rise. We already have data. I don't, I, you know, I, we already have data on the schools. <laughs> yeah. Last last school uh, uh, year, you had you had schools that had mask mandates and schools that didn't have mask mandates, and and the numbers were virtually the same. Uh, and you know, I don't know what the numbers are going to say uh, this time. Uh, I honestly, I, and I think the people honestly don't care. I honestly don't care because it's a freedom issue. Well, you, I agree with you. You can put all the numbers you want in front, but we already have numbers. We this this is the thing. We keep going the the, the Department of Health and the CDC and the uh, WHO continue to go back to well what you know, this new this this new. We already have numbers. We have numbers on the uh, inefficacy of the, the the inability of of masks that uh, the cdc has said that doesn't work no yeah <clears throat> exactly and so we already have numbers on the on schools and i think in in uh even just in saline county you have those numbers senator hammer of benton versus bryant last year benton didn't have mass bryant had mass numbers were exactly the same i have a feeling that they're going to be exactly the same uh virtually the same when they come out uh a thursday so well let me read you a statement all right. Who's this from? I'll tell you in a second. Okay. C- CDC, set CDC aside, and I'm looking for something I'm supposed to have on one of my emails about the number of changes of position that the CDC has taken on the mass mandate, which is all over the place. So um, I'll try to find it before we get off the air. But uh, here's the quote. It says, so the mask is not 100%. So my wearing the mask does not guarantee that those persons around me are not going to get it. As you know, the persons that are exposed the mask has no protection for them. The transmission rate of this virus is 2.8, 2.5 persons per individual infected. So the only way to flatten the curve or lower the uh, coefficient is to make sure that anybody that is exposed is quarantined, which is a whole separate issue, so that if he or she develops this disease, they will not get a chance to spread it out. That was on August 3rd of 2021 by Dr. Romero in a committee meeting where he was asked the question about the mask. Okay. Then you throw Dr. Cloud state representative uh, from up in Russville who made the statement in a committee meeting uh, that the only effective mask is the N95. Which is what Dr. Yamauchi said. Is what Dr. Yamauchi said, which it and and Dr. You know, Cloud's position was or statement was, it was a brief statement, was uh, that all these other masks are ineffective, which is what Dr. Romero said, which is also what Dr. Yamamoto said. Yamauchi. Yamauchi said. That's good. So, I mean, you know, there's there's three individuals, two of which, three, um, you know, which are, are doctors. So, you know, what do you do? Right. Right. I, un- I understand what you're saying. I just think it's it's a false narrative 
that the schools are using that you, if you mask up, we're protecting I, each other better. Yeah. Go ahead, Ken. No, I just, I just wish you, we, we continue to talk about masks and we continue to talk about vaccines. And I know some of your colleagues have tried to redirect the conversation, but I wish we would take a hard right turn and redirect the conversation to therapeutics and preventatives and, and thing, things like uh, whether it's the monoclonal antibodies whether it's ivermectin, whether it's hydroxychloroquine, and talk talk about those things instead of spreading these fear articles of, oh, people are calling the poison control center. Well, let's talk about what the, the history of what ivermectin was created, the history of what hydroxychloroquine was created, and uh, and 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 why you know why why did we have to wait for monoclonal antibodies? Why did we have to wait for the FDA approval of the vaccines? before we could have monoclonal antibodies that have saved hundreds, if not thousands, of lives at this point. Uh, and so, we, you know, never in science have has our decision been two things, mask and or vaccine. And I think people are tired of, of those two things being the only decisions they can make to, to prevent themselves from getting uh, COVID-19. All right. Go ahead. I need you to hold your thought, all right? Keep your powder dry. We'll be back. We're going to talk more about this. It's on... Everybody's talking about it, I can tell you that. I had breakfast with some friends yesterday, and this was an ongoing part of the discussion. Uh, Part of the ongoing discussion was school boards not listening to the people who was putting their kids in their schools and saying, we don't want mask mandates. And I really, you know, talking about freedom, Ken, it really irritates me when a school board uh, president, the superintendent says, uh, we're going to have uh, 25 minutes of discussion and each side gets six people to talk. That is not freedom. All right, PI Roofing, don't forget about them. They'll take good care of your roof. We've been lucky this year. We've, uh, you know, when we've had some storms here in the area, we really haven't had any hail or anything like that. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm just saying that right now we've uh, been able to avoid it. Uh, August was a typical August in uh, Arkansas. It was hot, it was humid, and it was baking your roof every day. So you need PI Roofing to check it and make sure that it's working for you. So uh, give them a call, 707-3551. They'll come out. They'll put somebody up on their roof. They'll walk around on it. They'll look for any places that might spring a leak, literally, and make sure that that does not happen. You can visit them as well online. Just go to piroofing.com. In the 7 o'clock hour, don't forget, uh, Congressman uh, French Hill will be with us from uh, phone in D.C. And uh, we'll hear from Congressman Westerman as well uh, um, by phone from uh, D.C. And did uh, Representative uh, McCarty not uh, lay down the law yesterday when they started talking about they were going to subpoena the phone records on January 6th for some, uh, so many people, uh, Republicans, and he said, we get the majority, payback will come. He told that to the companies that they were asking to help them. Just know that if we get back in power, that it, it will be bad for you. <laughs> I think that's the way you got to play this with these people. You can't let them just keep yeah, kind of running over you. Through. You know. Well, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking follow through here. I'm, I'm saying that's what Kevin said. Now I agree. 
He's got to follow through with it. Yeah, President Trump always followed through on his threats. Yeah. They weren't threats. Yeah, uh, we. You know, I was talking to a different state senator uh, yesterday. It's it's you know once we if we take back, I think we'll take back the House. I think and, we will. Uh, if we take back the Senate, it will be close. It's it's time to to follow through on on these things. Time time for these Republicans to actually do some things. Do things. Yep. Yeah, they're going to have to do some things. All right. Uh, State Senator Hammer is here. What was it that you were going to say there? And I cut you off. I was just going to say that not not all schools. And I've got a I've got a list here. Of the ones that are under mass mandates and ones that are not self imposed because with the judge striking down the law that uh, allowed the districts to have that local control. Uh, and and the thing is, I didn't get any of my districts that really wanted the local control when it came to the mask and. I think that's pretty universal across state. They didn't want to have to be put in the position to have to make the decisions that they're having to make, and they're getting a little bit of a taste of what local control really is. Uh-huh. And that's not a criticism. It's just the way the cards have played out. So with that local control power, 110 have required mass mandates, 30 have required partial mass mandates, and 121 have not required any. And I don't really think it's that they believe that the masks work or not work. That's the the hot topic discussion. The reason the masks are being invoked is because of the way the quarantine rules are written. And if you got a mask on, then you can bump into somebody. And that's a whole other subject is the confusion of the quarantine requirements and how many you know times those have changed. But the reason... So let me stop you and make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. If you're wearing masks and you bump into somebody, they figure you have not transmitted the disease to the person you bumped into. That'd be a layman's explanation, yeah. And that way you don't have to quarantine if you were bumped into. Right. Okay. It's not that they're big on masks or they even think they work because we got plenty of testimonies that that says that they don't. And I'll say this, too. There are, and people need to remember around the state, there are school boards that have medical personnel on them and not all those medical personnel agree with the requirement to wear the mask either but it's the it's the shell game if you will that if you're wearing the mask and you can't maintain six foot distancing then at least if you got the mask on you're okay and that's i think that's the reason for why the vast majority want the mask mandate not so much because they think it works but it is the end around to get around the quarantine so that you don't have to send the kids home so that you make sure you still get your money from that school that student from the state right that they're there they're reporting they're at they're at uh, they're at school so uh, that money's still coming to the school hey everybody i've talked to um it always comes down to money i know it always (laughs) follows the money but (laughs) the big concern on the people that i've talked to is they understand the negative impact of those kids being home a lot of them unsupervised some of them unfed undisciplined and, and falling behind in their education. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about the welfare of the kids. That's why they want them in the schools. Ken, you think that's what's going down? I don't think uh, the school or the majority of the school districts are, are that smart. To make I think that, it's money. To make that decision of, of quarantine, not quarantine, mask, not mask, or whatnot. Um, you know, it's, Senator Hammer was telling me, uh, you know, why Benton was better than Bryant while ago about hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding that was getting a joke. him in trouble that was man. A joke. Uh, well, you know Benton doesn't have a mass mandate and Bryant does but 
Um, you know, it's uh, I, I, I think people need look the school boards. We talk about local control, and I believe in local control. And local control is supposed to be with the parents and and the individual. But the school boards were never elected to make medical decisions for the children of the school district. They're elected to make educational decisions, and so th- this is this is where um, these decisions on mass mandates. This, this is not within the purview of the school boards, in my opinion. All right, I want you both to keep your powder dry. We got to take a break. We got to get to the news, and we're going to come back. And I want to talk about how some school boards are handling the parents that don't and. You know, either want masks or don't want masks, and they have these meetings, and then they don't let people talk. I want to talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It is a Wednesday. We're up to 6.30 already. We got more to talk about when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, don't forget about uh, Cabot Emergency Hospital. They've been a good place to go. A lot of people have been going uh, to the hospital there uh, dealing with COVID to get shots and uh, to retreat it and things of that nature. There was a lady over at the uh, uh, Lone Oak uh, GOP meeting the other night who said that if it hadn't been for Cabot Emergency Hospital and the treatments that they were able to get to her when she went over about COVID, she thinks that she'd be dead right now. Uh, they have board-certified emergency physicians with over 130 years of experience on duty 24 7 365 at the cabin emergency hospital they're going to be able to do good things for you uh yes they are open to holidays if i say they're open 365 that means they're open on holidays as well uh they've got uh, x-rays ct scans ultrasounds they've got an on-site mri on-site lab they've got the pharmacy and they will get you in the back and get you treated uh, post haste it won't take a long time not like going to some of the emergency rooms going on right now here in the city which can you can be sitting for 45 hour and a half waiting to get back uh to the back so uh, get back to life faster you don't have to wait uh the folks at uh, uh cabot emergency hospital take good care of you and remind you that your emergency matters to them all right let's continue i I talked to ken and to kim hammer here just a moment ago kim hammer state uh, senator from the saline uh, bryant area saline county bryant area then you got uh, of course uh ken yang here he's the chairman of the saline county gop he's also the uh, chairman of all the chairmen here the chair of the chair yes that's how it said right yeah chair of the chairs of uh, the GOP here in the state of Arkansas. And something that has been bothering me, it bothered me about what I saw happen in Cabot, it's bothered me what I saw happen in Whitehall, and that is restricting people who come to make their statements to the school board and to the superintendent. And and this isn't just go for school boards, all right? This goes for any reason. People are always bitching at people for not showing up and wanting to take part in, uh, you know, the political process. Then when they show up, they put they put controls on them. Uh, in Whitehall, only uh, six people from each side could talk. And uh, there in uh, Cabot, 
they had a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago i think it was it was going to be 70 minutes long only and uh, you know if you got in you got in if you didn't you know tough luck i think you should sit there and listen to everybody who shows up i mean they took the time out of their day yep. you're there if you're a school board member uh because you asked to be elected to the school board if you're the uh, the superintendent you're being paid good money to be there yep. and listen to the people i know how you feel about this ken so i'll start it with you and then i'll turn it over to kim hammer as well what do you think well uh i think you're right they uh um uh, the letter b and moan about it uh all the time and people finally show up, and it's not just with it's not just mask mandates. It's literally any issues, tax increases, uh, or whatever it may be. And then they they limit uh, the amount of time you have to tell them how you feel. And they think doing this equal thing, well, we'll do you know six on this side, six on that side. It's fair. That's not fair because there may be a hundred people show up for one side, and only fifteen people show up for the other six. side. <laughs> six for the other yeah. side. Uh, and, and that you know that that's that's what they do, and we see that all all over local government as people complain about stuff. Uh, you know, and, and it happened. It happened in the city of Benton. Uh, uh, when we were just talking about the AMP tax, and uh, that the that our mayor, Mayor Farmer, passed a twenty-year AMP tax without the vote of the people, and he gave people three minutes to speak on it. Uh, and so, and that's happening with the, when it comes to the mask mandates. Uh, people are limiting people's ability to speak on it. Parents that that they, pay the money that pay the money that the school districts answer to, they're limiting their free speech. All right, Senator. I never like it when people show up for a meeting and they don't get a chance to talk. Um, and I'll address it from like the state capital level. Sure. We, uh, you know, when we're in session, we have some long meetings, uh, but we also have people that take off work. Uh, they rearrange their schedules. They, uh, in the in the case of state business, they drive in from a long distance. Uh, I don't think it's respectful to disrespect them by only limiting them to a few minutes. Um, so I think that if, you know, if people show up to talk, they ought to be able to be given the chance to talk. I do think maybe some perimeters maybe should be established, but it's not something that should be unreasonable where you got a room full of people and you're drawn. And, and what's the intent? you got to ask what's the intent. Is it that I want to choke down what you want to say so that I can control how much you get to say so I don't have to hear what you want to say? Right. Is that the motive? If it is, that's a wrong motive. And sometimes people just want to vent and get it out and you really make the problem worse by not giving them the time to speak because then if they don't get their way but they feel like they didn't get their voice in the process you got a big problem next time around so i'm on the side of if they show up to speak give them a chance to speak i would also say this if you're going to speak in a public format you know come with some decor as far as ability to not get ugly or turn it into a big brawl or because your message no is, at that point you can be cut off you can be cut off and you can be escorted Absolutely. out of the room if you're not going to show some you know be civil about what you want to say have your thoughts organized and if 20 people say the same thing take that in consideration because after the 10th time you got your message crossed and nobody's listening to you anyway yeah 
No, I agree. Uh, uh, and and when you're when you let's be honest, when you go up there and act a fool, uh, you ruin it for your side. Actually, that's right. That's right. People, uh, you're branded by how the worst person in the room acts. Yep. Yep. Keep that in mind, by the way. I've seen I've seen some pretty bad actors lately. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I I'm, I won't say which school board meeting it was, but they were meeting, and one of the school board members say, "You think you can do better? I'll just step down. You guys take over." And several people of the audience that stood up and said, "Okay, step down. We'll we'll take your place." <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, you know me. I I want to be fair. I want to be kind and all that other good stuff but being a school board member is about the most thankless position you can also have in an elected position correct and and there are a lot of good school board members out there that take a real beating um that are right i mean they're they're on the right side of whatever the issue is but they still take a beating but at the same time when you put yourself in a glass house get ready for the stones that are going to be thrown and and you almost have to go into every meeting expecting that somebody is going to be looking to 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 push your buttons and try to bring you down. Somebody's ox has been gored. That's it. That's the way it usually works. That's that's true. And it it you know sometimes you don't like what the people may say back to you in positions of of power, and that's what a school board member is. You've elected them to a position of power, but it may be that they're just following the law. Now, many instances they're not. It just they're ma- they're making the law as they go on. But here's the other thing I've been saying: because of redistricting, there's going to be a, an election for every school board member mm-hmm. that's serving across the state of Arkansas. And uh, and if you don't like the uh, you know the superintendent, then you need to get the people on the school board that's going to get rid of the superintendent. Just know that the buyouts are expensive. It's the way they work because of what they give them now. I mean, they pay super. I'm going to make some people mad. They pay you way too much money for what you do. Just being honest. How many of you got, you know, free membership at the country club? How many of you got, you know, free car use and all the other things that they give to you now? It's ridiculous. Absolutely. $175,000 a year after heard from some superintendents and i'm just looking at them going don't think that's right but okay well, they don't agreed even, it. half of them don't even last yeah well they're always looking for a bigger a bigger paycheck most of them are i would say the ones that embrace their community and make their community their home and are invested in their community and connect with their community and they live in their community mm. are the ones that seem to have the longevity. They become one with the community because then they're checking the pulse of the community. And yeah, they know what's going on. They know what's going on. And the community knows that they have a voice represented in that superintendent. That's why it's important, not only on the superintendent level, but all administration level and teachers that that that, that institution reflects who the community is all right need to get our final break in then when we come back my last question for you guys that i had in mind was how do we get the politics out of covid i don't know if we can 
how can but that that's a question how do we get the politics out of covid we'll talk about that when we come back here uh, on the dave ellswick show i want to remind you about david lucas if you got questions about filing for social security david's got the information for you he's got a booklet called your guide to social security it's from the david lucas financial business in north little rock it's 27 pages long it outlines what you need to know it can help you get even more income when you file for social security so if you're within five years of filing for Social Security, get this free booklet now by calling 501-222-3315. And as a bonus, you're going to receive a free customized Social Security analysis that pinpoints the optimal time for you, you, not somebody, your neighbor or a friend of yours, but you to wring every nickel out of your benefits. Pick up the phone. Call them now, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. So the uh, phones are open if you got something you want to say. If we've touched a nerve today, feel free. <laughs> 823-0965, And like I've said all along, I mean, it's just like when I talk about getting the vaccination. You want to get the vaccination, be like me and get the jab. If you don't, don't. You know, it's up to you. You can make the decision on that. But don't complain to me also about, I can't believe uh, businesses are telling people that they got to get vaccinated. That's been going on forever, all right? That's not just now. That's been going on forever. And uh, I still find it humorous that I've been contacted by so many people who say, can you believe the military are making these guys get that vaccination? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I was in the military. If there was a vaccination that came out, we got it. Man, when I went into the military, I got it. I was I lined me up and filled me up with everything they could think of. And uh, you don't have to go back that far to look at when anthrax popped up a few years back that they made all the military get those vaccinations. So they military well, men don't like men women don't like getting them any more than than you yeah. do but well and there are exemptions you know someone reached out to me uh from fort smith and uh, their son's in the military and they want to talk and there's code that talks about religious exemptions well, yeah. in, uh, in the military and so i sent them that part of the rules and part of the code for the military and they had a meeting with their chaplain and everything's taken care of um and so that's the trick of of instead of just inciting all this frustration, find out what you can do about it. I think the frustration with the businesses part is uh, typically in the past, even though businesses mandated certain vaccinations, they've made reasonable accommodations for its people. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's not being done. Well, and I talked to uh, HR with a large company that employs a large people here in the state, and they have a policy as far as objection. And there is a process forward. Now, you know, is it going to rise to the level of a person's individual objection, whether on religious or conscientious or medical? You know, that's a case by case situation. But most companies have a policy. They should have a policy. If they don't, now is a good time to get one and get a policy in place so the employees know what it is. When I worked for a hospital for many years, I was required to get a flu shot or I couldn't go out and see patients. Uh It was just a known fact that you got to have your vaccine in order to go out. You know, hopefully with FDA approving the one, it'll alleviate some of the concerns as far as the long-term um, 
you know, concerns about what are the effects of it's going to of it going to be. Yeah, my only problem is I, I've yet to be able to find glasses that have three lenses. For, and the, the third one goes on the eye in the yeah. back of my head. I know. All right. With, the, with that said, how do we keep from this being politicized? Because it has been politicized. There's no doubt about that. Let's start that off with you, Senator Hammer. I don't know that you can. I don't know that you want to. Uh, because if you remove the elected officials from the conversation, what if this would have happened without us being able to have some way in on it? Now, I know some people are going to say, you know what? You're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You're not a whatever. But we get a lot of advice from a lot of good doctors and a lot of good nurses. Um, and and I think with the position that we're in, we have to exercise good judgment and try to have something in the way that would back up the decisions that we make as to why we do things. I don't know that you really want to remove the political. It's just the consequences of living in freedom. you got to have an environment sometimes where iron sharpens iron and, you know, let the sword cut whichever way it's going to cut. So – Uh, personally i don't see how we can keep it out of it uh because especially when they come asking us for money in Mm -hmm. order to do certain things you can't keep politics out of something like this and i think it's important that you have you know politicians that'll be at least level-headed look at everything have a good reason or rationale for the decisions that they make and then just try to work together as a team to to get to the overall goal and that is we want to get this thing defeated personally i wish some of our senators or congressmen would begin the action of uh, crimes against humanity against the people that did this, because to me it's as worse as a war crime. Uh, that's Kim Hammer's opinion. I may be proven wrong, but I, I think I think somebody's head needs to roll on this one. All right. With that, we'll turn it over. Last thing on this whole subject is going to come from Ken Yang. Yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be politicized, uh, but uh, the the way to solve, uh, in my opinion, uh, everything is to stop listening to the liberals. Stop listening to the Democrats. Stop listening to these liberal uh, uh, doctors and nurses that have an agenda uh, that are pushing this uh, uh, vaccine without uh, without answering questions. You're going to push something, but I think the, the people uh, just are angry about just questions not being answered. Uh, I think uh, medicine lives in a whole different world when we talk about mandating vaccines for private businesses. Which, you know, employer mandates is a is a is a is a dangerous thing because it's a, it's something new. It's not like you know telling people to get the polio vaccine or smallpox vaccine, which things had had years of uh, of uh, um, research. And so, if we stop listening to the liberals. We stop listening to the WHO that's run by China. We stop listening to the CDC, who's changed their minds. Uh, 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 more so than Dave uses the restroom. Uh, and know. at my age, that's a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, if we stop listening to those things and start demanding questions uh, from our leaders, from people like Dr. Romero, from from our uh, from Dr. Patterson at UAMS and others, uh, I think we'll we'll go down a lot better path because uh, you know science is science. And the fact that we don't talk about natural antibodies, therapeutics, uh, uh, other things besides a shot um, is beyond me. All right. To the senator, he wanted to talk a little bit about nursing or just, nurses. Yeah, and to the subject, Ken, if, if I get my stuff together between now and tomorrow um, or before Saturday, Ivermectin is going to be a topic of my show of have been talking some and i think we need to have the conversation because the worst thing 
I think you can do is have something that you kind of like going to a board meeting, not getting a chance to talk. Uh-huh. If you got, if you've got something that people are concerned about or want some opinions about or get some information about, I think the worst thing to do is just not talk about it at all. Uh, but if everything comes together on Kim Hammer show this weekend, we're going to be talking about that. And I've got some people calling in that are going to be able to speak on that. To the nursing fact, we are in, uh, people need to understand we are in a severe nursing shortage. I've sat through enough meetings to know this is the real deal. And these nurses and the folks working in the hospital um, keep the politics out of it for their sake. They're just doing what they're called to do. And uh, we need to support our staff. Now, some would say, well, you just said, you know, masks don't work effective. Well, I'm, I'm taking it on the evidence of people that uh you know that are professionals just as much as the people are professionals saying it does but at the end of the day uh we need to support our nurses and we are seeing nurses leave the field and if if we want to have a good future like three to ten years down the road uh people we need to re-engage people back into the nursing field back into the medical field because we all depend on them. So I, I nothing else. Wanted to give a shout out to all the medical staff. Okay, we got one minute. You wanted to say something about hospitals? Uh, just that they, I get a daily report on the hospitals uh, sent by somebody, and and it is the real deal as far as the number of beds that are occupied. The good thing is it's starting to, it's starting to level off, mm-hmm. but the ICU beds of COVID patients is still at critical level. But as far as the old numbers, we're, we're starting to see the, the plateau and it start coming down. Uh, but when you hear these reports about these hospitals being maxed out, you can believe it's true. They're maxed out and they're hurting. And anything you can do to support them would be a good thing. All right. We're out of time. Senator Kim Hammer, thanks for coming into the studio. I know you'd rather have done this by phone, but I... I said, I want you to come into the studio, and you did, and I appreciate that. Ken, hang around. Congressmen are coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. into the seven o'clock hour here on the dave ellswick show and during the seven o'clock hour uh we head up to washington dc and we usually start off as we do today with uh congressman french hill and congressman how are you today dave good morning hope you're doing well today i'm doing fantastic and uh Boy, there's some there's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, the minor minority leader put those businesses on notice that are helping the Democrats on this January sixth thing about subpoenaing uh, getting the subpoenas on 
uh, President Trump and his basically his whole family and everybody else want to see all of their their phone records and all of that. Uh, he he said, "Okay, go ahead and do that, but we're going to get back in the majority." Uh, talking about the Republican Party, and we will not forget. Absolutely, this is why I said all along that uh, if you let this investigation turn into a partisan investigation, you would get a, just another mad, mad Max Democrat-led piece of chaos, like you saw in the case of hunting down a Russian connection for President Trump mm-hmm. or a. The second impeachment, which was equally ridiculous. So but Kevin McCarthy's right. When we take the House back next fall, I hope my Democratic colleagues will remember their outrageous behavior during this past two years. Let me, let me ask, as, as you've watched all of this of, of Afghanistan play out over the last few months, you know, Biden has consistently said that, well, Trump... You know, he he was pulling us out of uh, Afghanistan, but it's like nobody ever reads the uh, the standard operating procedure that they were following uh, to do their withdrawal, and it's completely different than what Biden had in mind. In fact, Biden took it and lit it on fire and threw it in the trash can. Precisely. Look, I've talked to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I've talked to Ambassador Robert O'Brien, who was President Trump's last national security advisor. There was an outstanding op-ed by a former Vice President Mike Pence in the Wall Street Journal. These three people lay out quite precisely that what Joe Biden did was just toss President Trump's plan in the garbage. And this is not to be surprising to voters in America. He disregarded the Trump policies on the border that had a safe, functioning southern border. And now we have chaos on the southern border. He's not following a solid economic policy. So the fact that he's uh, conducted a ridiculous, embarrassing, chaotic exit from Afghanistan, I don't think is a surprise. But I think it's shocking to our servicemen and women who serve there, to our diplomats, to the Americans he left behind, to the families that my office talks to every day, Uh, about the uh, absolute outrageous way this was conducted. So uh, I hear you, but Joe Biden is the one who bears the brunt of this ridiculous core set of decisions. Peter Ducey got the the picture of the decade from one of his news conferences when, you know, Biden was talking about Trump and he said, but Mr. President, you're the president now. And he just put it... He just put his head down at that point. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in the camp that says you don't leave any Americans behind. That's a military tradition, but it's an American tradition. And you and I have talked about this. I believe that we could have easily kept uh, a Bagram Air Force Base open and conducted our exit operation there in a much more safe manner. Uh, And we should have left the troops on the ground, the air power on the ground in order to do that. And we should have assured that there were conditions conditions before all American forces left the country. So the ramifications of this bad decision-making by President Biden are going to echo for months and years to come, in my view. Yeah, I got one last question for you. Then Ken Yang is here. He's got a couple for you as well about Afghanistan. What do, you, what, do you, what do we do about all of that equipment, the billions of dollars of equipment that we've left behind? And we've already seen the Taliban flying, uh, you know, uh, the helicopters around and whatnot. It's not like 
you know, it's it's Barney Rubble over there, you know, fighting for the Taliban. These people uh, have brains; they can be taught, they can learn how to use that that uh, that equipment. And you know, people say, well, "Yeah, we'll be fighting them and fighting with them again, and we'll be fighting against our own equipment." Well, let me just tell you, there's the people of Afghanistan now are under the the. the the control of an army that is much better now than they ever were uh, without that equipment? Well, uh, it's a challenge. And I would certainly think for the most lethal weapons that we can identify through surveillance and observation and through the knowledge that we have, we should take an effort to uh, destroy it. The objective of the U.S. Army before they left the country was to degrade or take out of Afghanistan all the equipment. So according to General Milley, that's generally been accomplished. So what we're looking at is uh, military arms that were in the hands of the Afghan military, the Afghan domestic police force. And that's where I think we have to uh, take action if necessary, because we don't need that kind of lethality uh, in the hands of the Taliban. Uh, still threatening American citizens and other citizens in Afghanistan uh, with uh, with those weapons. Uh, that inventory is being made. I know that'll be a big part of what uh, Congress does when they begin questioning uh, the next steps for the Biden administration to try to recover from this disaster. Well, Congressman, um, it's you know I don't think it's been talked about enough, but it's still been ta- at least it's been talked about. And you you mentioned it. You mentioned about the the hundreds of Americans that are still. Uh, left in Afghanistan, was reading a story about a family that's been trying for two weeks to get to the airport, and they're still there. You know, what's the discussion of, you know, assisting these Americans and helping them get out? Well, we're still uh, have people we're talking to on the ground in Afghanistan. We still have people that have not gotten out, despite the hundred and a quarter thousand people that have been flown out by the Americans and others by other NATO member countries and some by private contractors. So we're still coordinating with uh, the former Afghan uh, American Afghans uh, that we're in touch with, and we'll still be advocating for them for exiting uh, through the State Department, through DOD. And I think every member of Congress is doing that. This is why we told Joe Biden, pivot, stay there and stay in operational uh, past August 31st, and he didn't do it. So that'll make these operations harder to, to control and harder to coordinate. But uh, I know that I speak for my members, House and Senate, Democrat and Republican. We want every American out of Afghanistan, and we want uh, those Afghans that helped uh, the NATO forces also out of Afghanistan. What's your feeling, Congressman, about Pelosi not letting the names of those 13 Americans that paid the ultimate price not be read on the House floor? Look, uh Speaker Pelosi is just tone deaf uh, when it comes to this issue. She's not shown the empathy and leadership. We had a bill on the floor now uh, that we tried to bring up on the House floor yesterday to do that and to recognize the next steps that we have to take on continuing operations to support those left behind. And she wouldn't even uh, she made sure that bill was blocked from consideration. So we're going to continue to battle for the Americans in Afghanistan for our translators and others who were in service of NATO forces and we've just got to I hope the American people reach out to Nancy Pelosi's office and explain to her the importance of that yeah absolutely absolutely I, I that's just like a slap in the face and 
Yeah, yeah. this is just not. A, I'm just uh, this year, Dave. We talk. We talk every week, and uh, now any reaction of these uh, out of control liberal Democrats just. I'm just no longer uh, surprised by any poor decision they take or poor attitude they have. I mean, it's just like I'm living in a uh, in a alternative universe to the one they see. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. Let me get my break in, and then I want to ask you about the uh, infrastructure bills that are out there and, you know, how much money is going to end up uh, being spent that doesn't need to be spent. You know what I'm going to ask. We'll talk about it when we we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's Dave Ellswick. Hello, with Ken Yang. He's my special guest co-host today. He's the chairman of the Saline County GOP and the chair of chairs here in the state of arkansas you know when it comes to dustin turner you want to have a realtor that has a history as an agent and that's what dustin turner has uh renee and kevin heard about uh, dustin here on my show uh this true story and decided to give him a call Uh, At their meeting, Dustin shared the various options they could choose from to sell their Jacksonville home. Uh, They could list the traditional way, or he could give them a cash offer. Well, Renee and Kevin went with the cash offer, and by the end of the day, their home was sold because they trusted Dustin, and you can too. I'm going to be trusting Dustin uh, Turner. I've done some things to my home. I had him come out. He took a look at my house. He said, Dave, you need to do this, this, and this. Uh, On some other things, you don't have to do that because people are going to change those kinds of things anyway. So uh, I've taken care of almost all of those. I'll finish them up at the beginning of uh, October after I come back from vacation. And then I put my house up for sale because now's the time to sell your home if you've been thinking about selling it. And I was thinking about next year, but I think I'm going to move it up this year because the market is just so blasted hot right now. You know, what you got to remember right now, there's more buyers than there are homes for sale and that uh, low interest rates make it a good time to sell your home and then buy more home if you're looking to do that. To be able to do that, you got to get in touch with Dustin Turner you can call him at 501-952-2969, Google him at Dustin Turner, the home team, or go online, thehometeamsoldit.com. Again, that's hometeamsoldit.com, and then you can start packing up. Contact the only agent that I said that I would trust if I needed to sell my home, and I'm working with him right now. Call, if you're wanting to sell, call Dustin Turner today. All right, back with you. 21 minutes after 7, we're talking to Congressman French Hill, District 2. He's joining us today. He joins us typically. I mean, very seldom does he not make his his time uh, available on Wednesdays to talk to you about what's happening in Washington, D.C. With that uh, said, uh, Congressman, what's happened as far as the, all the infrastructure talk that was such a hot topic before Afghanistan? Yeah, well, Nancy Pelosi could not have the votes to move infrastructure by itself. She did not have the votes to move her far-left Bernie Sanders $3.5 trillion Green New Deal social spending package by itself. So she merged them. She put them together, and she added in an additional amendment to uh, Title V of the Voting Rights Act and called it the John Lewis 
voting rights act bill uh-huh. she put all those on the floor merged together in one vote and she was able to hold all her democrats uh for it uh, there were no republicans supporting so what that allows her to do in september dave is bring that package back up and hopefully she will uh, i don't think be able to pull together the votes necessary to spend the 3.5 trillion because now the democrats have to say precisely what taxes they're going to raise a lot of people all the headlines say 3.5 3.5 trillion but you have to understand that that's including about 1.2 to 1.5 at a minimum of tax increases on business and families and so they now are forced to describe precisely how they would spend that money and precisely how they would raise those taxes. I think that's going to be challenging to get uh, the vote she needs, even 51 percent vote in the Senate and House. That's the next step, and that'll take place in September. Yeah, and they got a, they're going to have, a, I think, a problem in that their elected officials have all gone home for a while, and now they're going to get an earful from people about a lot of this stuff. Including on the subject of infrastructure, what about doing infrastructure, roads, bridges, including uh, select investments to continue to enhance broadband? If you look at the uh, $1.2 trillion spending that came out of the Senate, spent, sent to the House that she, she moved forward, uh, about $120 billion out of $1.2 trillion, or roughly 10%, was roads, bridges, and highways. About 10% roads, bridges, and highways. The rest of it is essentially Green New Deal spending and spending for big cities. Lots of transit, lots of rail, and things that really don't apply to a rural state, predominantly like the state of Arkansas. So we'll we'll have to – there's going to be vigorous debates on this in September and early October. With that said, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Ken for a couple of questions – if that gets through, are we going to see the people raise their hands again and say we need a we need a rail system between Conway and Little Rock? I don't know because we don't have that level of detail of how that money would uh, be able to be spent uh, outside the major rail corridors of Amtrak and cities that already have huge mass transit systems like New York, Washington D.C., or Boston. So that remains uh, to be seen. Uh, we'll be studying it carefully on the impact of, of Arkansas. There is enhanced water infrastructure, and a lot of places in America have struggled to raise the money necessary locally to fix water systems. So that's another issue that will be debated. Yeah, well, that's an interesting subject in and of itself. If you saw that, that latest uh, article about California and all of those different reservoirs that were supposed to be being built to mitigate that water crisis that they have and hardly and they've gotten billions of dollars of federal money and hardly any of that work has been done right and that's because of the environmental movement in california has blocked that as they have most infrastructure programs which is why they cost so much and take so long to even reach consensus even if you have the money in a bill there's no guarantee many of these projects will even be completed all right, Ken, what you yeah, got? So, I, you know, I have a question that, you know, the I think the chips and, and, and will fall where they will and, and, and you know, having you and uh, our Republican congressman fight against it is, is just great because, it, it, you know, these 
these spending bills just need to stop and the raising taxes of corporate taxes and things of that sort. But I, my question is is regarding the infrastructure bill, but uh, on a, on a different level. Uh, uh, it might be boring for some, but you know, I've I've always been way before everyone else was interested in cryptocurrency, and I know there's been some debate uh, about cryptocurrency within these infrastructure bills. Uh, you know, what where where is that headed uh, when it comes to businesses and and uh, people that invest in cryptocurrency? Yeah. So I've done a lot of work in cryptocurrency. Uh, Bill Foster from Illinois, Democrat, and I have a bill that asked the Treasury and the Federal Reserve for a specific study and strategy. We've pushed them now for three years, Ken, to have a study and strategy on how we might have a dollar-denominated central bank cryptocurrency, just like we have cash uh, that's approved and issued And we think that's important because China's strategy is to displace the dollar, both in global commercial transactions as well as through telecommunications manipulation. And that's where the cryptocurrency comes into play in the form of blockchain payments. So we have that study that we're pushing. We're working with Treasury and Fed on that. And in the meantime, to your point, we don't want any regulatory approach taken by the Biden administration that will make America potentially less competitive in the future of blockchain uh, in transactions or in the development of a cryptocurrency once uh, that's thoroughly studied from a legal and regulatory point of view. All right, so what you're saying is that in uh, September, got to keep our eyes open, our ears open, and uh, you'll be on on Wednesdays to keep us up to date on this whole infrastructure debacle that is unfolding in Congress right now. You bet, and I hope people will really uh, continue over the next three or four weeks to put information out in the details of these bills so that people can read them on our Facebook page and on our website so that uh, everybody can be uh, connected, you know, with what is being proposed here by the Democrats. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on with us today. We thank you for your time. We'll talk to you, or Ken will talk to you next week. I'll be on vacation, but Ken will be sitting in for me, so he'll talk to you then. All the best. Thank you both. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. There's not a whole lot of big stuff going on in Washington right now. We talked about the two biggest topics that are there, Afghanistan and uh, what's coming up as far as this infrastructure bill. We're talking trillions of dollars that the Democrats want to move. And um, most of it is all Green New Deal stuff. And Ken, it's not good. Nope. That's, you know, this this is what this, elections have consequences. Yeah, this yeah that's say. what we always tell them that, don't we? We always remind people of that, and a lot of them don't listen. Although the people of Arkansas have. We've yeah. got all Republicans up there on the Hill. So uh, we've done our part. we got to keep on doing our part. All right, we're going to take a break right now, Ken. When we come back, we'll be joined by Congressman uh westerman we want to talk to him i want to talk to him specifically about all these water projects not getting done in california when they need water out in california but right now bill o'reilly is ready to go here on the dave ellswick show let's join him find out what he's got to say and then we'll return for more of the dave ellswick show all right coming up here in just a moment Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us and we'll talk to him about a couple of things that we talked to Congressman Hill about. And then I want to talk to him about, since he's a forester, 
mean, that's his uh, area of expertise. I want to talk to him about the water and all of that out on the West Coast because literally billions of dollars have been spent to build reservoirs for the people of California, and they got all kinds of problems out there. And, I mean, they dump fresh water into the ocean, believe it or not. All right, don't forget about East End Towing. Uh, they are on – they know everything you need to know when it comes to towing. I mean, they're going to tell you, and, and I'll tell you too. I used them just a couple of weeks ago. When you need somebody to tow you, uh, your car breaks down or whatever, call Easton Towing and uh, choose the person you want to do that job for you. Here's how it works out on the highway. Your car breaks down. State police pulls up behind you. What's wrong, sir? Uh, My car just stopped. Okay, we'll get a tow truck out here for you. Now, what they do is they call back the dispatch and tell them that they need a tow, a hookup uh, on the side of the highway. And they have a list of tow companies that are working with them. And they tell them uh, by this list, it's in a line, who's to do the tow for you. Well, maybe it's not who you would like to use. So make sure you keep that number for East End Towing on you, in your phone, so you can just hit and you can tell the the state police officer i have notified east end towing they're coming they're going to be here to take the car you don't have to worry about it and uh he doesn't have to you know ask dispatch to dispatch a tow truck to you and the reason east end towing is the best as far as i'm concerned it's no matter the situation and maybe it's you, know, you blew out a tire and you need a new tire maybe uh you know the car just totally died and you need them to take you to joe's garage or whatever bottom line east end towing can handle any situation that you've got going and they've got all the answers call them have this number in your phone have it in your wallet or in your purse 501-888-8849 that's 501-888-8849 prepare for what you don't need right now have things prepared to happens in the future you got something where to go with it all right congressman bruce westerman joins us congressman how are you today i'm doing well dave how about yourself i'm, I'm doing good hey look i i saw an article in the uh on the web it was i think it was from reason magazine reputable magazine and they were talking about the uh, reservoir projects that billions of dollars have been given to the state of california to build and guess what they haven't been built uh, and it was these were set up to be built after that first drought we had a few years back now we're into another drought and they haven't even started the reservoirs to help mitigate the first drought what what ha- what's going on with all of that? Uh, politics got in the way with common sense, but yeah, they've had uh, approval to raise the Shasta Dam to increase their water storage capacity. And again, it's not that ca- California doesn't produce enough water to meet their needs, but uh, the water is not managed properly. So it's a it's a man made drought um, in every sense of the matter, and there's ways to fix that. 
yet um, you know they don't want to build any more dams or talk about tearing dams out, and it just totally defies logic. Um, I'm sure the people who are pushing to tear these dams out benefit from having water that comes from the dams. Now you got you got a situation where uh, the people that believe in the Green New Deal, you know, they're 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 ballyhooing. See, this is what happens with global warming, and it's not global warming. It's uh, men with dumb ideas, or there's money somewhere to be made and skimmed off, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I obviously keep up with all the uh, forest fire information and the drought information, and I've made it a point when I see an AP article that talks about forest fires, you can look down close to the end, and there's going to be a paragraph in there that says uh, global warming has increased uh, drought conditions in the West in the past 30 years. So this is their new talking point that they put into every single article. And I found one article so far where they mentioned forest management. So you got the mainstream media pushing these uh, leftist ideas. Uh, and even if you take them at face value and say, yeah, the, the climate's warmed, it's drier, we got more drought, the question still is, what are you going to do about it? And they never talk about what they're going to do about it other than spend trillions, not billions, but trillions of dollars to throw it uh, climate change. And with all the stuff going on in the world today, with uh, droughts and fires in the West, hurricanes in the Southeast, uh, with American citizens still in Afghanistan, with thousands, tens of thousands of evacuees coming here to the United States that we don't know how uh, how well they've been vetted uh, with the porous border, uh, with inflation rising. Uh, guess where I'm headed today, Dave? I'm headed to D.C. to mark up and vote on a climate change bill no, no. In, uh, in my committee. That's where the, That's the Democrats' priority. That's the only thing they can focus on. And they're destroying our country. Uh, yeah. We should all be going back to D.C. passing a law that says the administration, the U.S. government, has to get American citizens out of Afghanistan. We should be addressing the crisis at the border. Uh, we should be looking at ways to get people back to work and to lower inflation, not pass junk law that's going to create um, more hardships on Americans. It's going to raise energy prices. Uh, it's going to put uh, American citizens out of work, increase our dependency on China, increase our dependency on Russia, uh, and increase our dependency on the Middle East. It's asinine. Well, I, I, I know that Pelosi is trying to fast move a lot of this legislation because she knows next November probably she won't be able to get it moved. Uh, but what can you, as the Republican Party is concerned, make her slow walk some of this stuff well i sent a letter to her and to the chairman of our committee uh yesterday or actually monday night when they um announced that we were having this uh, committee markup tomorrow i sent a letter to them telling them this is not the time to be marking up partisan spending bills and said we should be focusing on these other issues that are affecting the country. Well, of course, I get no answer from them, and the, the markup's scheduled as planned to happen tomorrow. 
And uh, the, the Democrats doubled down on it. So in our committee, it's a $31.7 billion bill as it stands right now. Uh, that's out of $3.5 trillion. And uh, the Democrats' messaging yesterday is that's not enough. We need more money uh, in this markup uh, to address uh, the, the changing climate, to address the, uh, what they see as the biggest issue of the day. Think about how much $31.7 billion is. That's, that's more money than the state budgets of 27 states in our country that we're going to be marking up in one committee in Congress, which, by the way, is less than 1% of the total $3.5 trillion they're asking for, not to mention the other $1.2 trillion that they're claiming is infrastructure, which is really not even infrastructure. Um, they've lost their ever-loving mind, if they have one to begin with. So, as you know, Congressman, as, as the only forester uh, uh, in Congress, and when, when, you, when, you, when you talk, and when you you know you mentioned you know they say it's climate change it's you know they say it's it's not man you know the 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 droughts not not man made it's because of expanding development overabundance of fuel because of past fire suppressions and other things like that you know when you speak out I mean does it uh, I more probably more of my curiosity I mean does it really just fall on deaf ears I mean you you know they always talk about listening to experts you are the only expert sitting in congress and i just i'm wondering what that dynamic is when you're in committee and you talk about these things coming from someone who who knows about this stuff you know what what do they what actually do they say do do they ignore you or do they have a retort back to what you say uh it's it's varied but the the thing you've got to understand ken is it's not about climate change that's what they use to try to drive fear and try to push bad policies. I'll I'll give you this from a scientific standpoint. There is more carbon in the atmosphere today than there's ever been since we've been measuring it. And that's logic that we've burned a lot of carbon uh, since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Um, the estimates are there's about 300 gigatons more of carbon in the atmosphere today than there was since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. But the question is, are the policies they're proposing going to change that? You know, take away the argument of whether you need to change it or not, but if they're saying that's the problem, are their policies going to change it? And the overwhelming answer is absolutely not. Um, this bill we're going to mark up, they're going to put fees and penalties on producing energy off of federal lands, onshore and offshore. Uh, they're going to penalize pipelines. It's There's 26 ways they're going to raise taxes in this bill. 20 of them deal with fossil fuels, including a carbon tax that they've outlined in this bill. Uh, the other four, or, or four of them out of the 26, are putting restrictions on mining. I think I've talked to you about a copper mine in Arizona yep. that could produce 25%. They've got $350 million in this bill to shut that mine down. Uh, so they talk about a green economy, and they're shutting down mining that produces the copper and the other elements you need to build a green economy, which will make us more dependent on on China, who's hoarding the world's resources. Um, but all of that, all they're going to do is raise energy prices for U.S. consumers. They're not saying fossil fuels bad. They're saying U.S. fossil fuels bad. The demand for 
oil and gas is not going away just because they passed some law to put fees on the production of it. So what's going to happen, we're going to start importing more of it from the Middle East and from Russia. And the environmental impact of that is far greater than if we were to produce that ourselves. Uh, they uh, allow environmental groups through the laws that they refuse to change to stop any kind of forest management, to stop water development, and they're doing more harm to the environment uh, than if they would follow the science and do uh, the things that we should be doing. So they say all this is about um, what comes down to carbon in the atmosphere, and nothing they're doing will help remove carbon from the atmosphere. It's so two-faced, it makes me sick to even talk about it. <laughs> so l- let me ask this final question before we take our break here in this uh, half hour, uh, Bruce, and that is, let me just make you king for a while, and you can put the necessary uh, regulations and rules in uh, to help mitigate these fires. How much can those fires be reduced just through rules and regulations that you all do? Well, to start with, answer that question, Dave, this has been a long time in the making. Oh, yeah. It started with the Clinton Clinton roadless rules in the 90s. Um, So I find it strange that they talk about climate change in the past 30 years. What they're really going back to is when we quit managing the forest 30 years ago, starting with the Clinton roadless rule. It was the the beginning, you know, the culmination of all these environmental actions with the spotted owl. So they're trying to deflect and say that the problem is climate change, and they're tagging it to a timeline that corresponds very closely with when they started implementing no management on the forest. So what we've got to do is get back to managing the forest, and it's going to take decades to correct a problem that's taken decades uh, to create. And it's, it's a massive problem because to manage the forest, you need markets for the material that comes off, else you're just spending a lot of money um, to destroy material that has value in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, mills are still closing in the West. I got a text message from uh, uh, a guy in Montana that told me he's closing a mill out there uh, this week. Uh, there's been over or close to a thousand mills closed in the United States since 2004. So now you're getting in a scenario where even if you could go in and manage the forest, there's no infrastructure there, no loggers, uh, no forestry workers, no mills and markets for the material that needs to come off so you can manage it. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's kind of a snowball effect on what's happening and it's going to take time to reverse all of that uh going back to the bill we've got to go mark up <clears throat> the democrats are resurrecting the ccc the civilian conservation yes. Board from the 1930s um about three to five billion dollars when you look at the different agencies where they're putting that in they think you can go out with a pick and a shovel and an axe and fix what's wrong in the forest <laughs> in the west and I don't know what Democrat members of Congress are hearing from their constituents, but what I hear every day is employers that saying they can't find people to work. That's right. So it's, so we're going to create a $5 billion government jobs program that's low-skill, manual labor that people are too lazy to do right now and think that that's going to help the economy somehow. 
it's it's crazy. Not we, only is it bad ideas, yeah, it's it's no logic in what they're doing. Yeah, we're with you. Congressman, hold on. We'll be right back. We'll finish up our conversation for this Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about, uh, I've been talking about him all week. Don't forget about Pat Davis. Don't forget about your, uh, you know, your, your health insurance and how to get it in a reasonable and uh, a decent cost. You can save 30 to 50% by talking to Pat Davis about health insurance he's got a different way of doing it you need to talk to him about it understand how it benefits you and save you some money uh, it's a great health plan for self-employed people it's uh, actual insurance it's not a share plan uh, this is a uh, stuff that lets you choose any provider in the nation and there's no co-pays and if there's any kind of ex- excess money left you get it the insurance company doesn't it you need to talk to pat i mean people are thinking about health insurance now it's getting to be that time of year again and uh, find out how he can make your life in the future much better that's uh, pat davis at 501-605-6935 501-605-6935 yourhealthplanman.com when we return a few more moments with uh, congressman bruce westerman all right Let's finish up with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman and uh, Ken. You had a couple questions. For yeah, uh, you know, we'll move over to to Afghanistan. I got kind of got two questions. So one about Americans over there. One about uh, here uh, us here in America. Uh, are we going to be able to get the Americans that are still in Afghanistan, the hundreds that are trying to leave? Are we going to be able to get them out? Not just try, but actually get them out. And then two, you know, I refuse to say this word, uh, the believe last week, but I'll say it now. Uh, uh, will impeachment happen? Yep, uh, the, I think those are two unknowns right now, Ken. Number one, um, I've I've not got any kind of classified briefing since last week, and wouldn't have got that had Pelosi not called us up there to vote uh, on the the budget resolution to vote on this uh, bloated infrastructure package and to vote on H.R. 4, which is the uh, changing and federalizing the voter laws across the country. So she pulled us back to D.C. to do that, and we just happened to be able to get a classified briefing while we were there. We should be up there right now getting those briefings so we could answer those questions and so that we could demand that Americans are brought back from um, – from Afghanistan, they were not leaving people behind. Uh, but I think that's part of the design to do all this while Congress is out of session and Pelosi refuses to call us back to address these issues. As far as impeachment goes, I think that's going to be a process. And uh, you know, I was on a call with the Republican conference yesterday with Kevin McCarthy leading that, and the word he kept, or the the uh, thought he kept emphasizing. Um, was that uh, you know people will be held accountable, and we may not be able to hold them accountable while we're in the minority, but someday we'll be in the majority. <clears throat> we're not going to forget, and we're going to hold people accountable, and that's up to and including uh, Joe Biden. But his cabinet is, has got serious problems, and either he needs to go, or they need to go, or they all need to go. 
I'm I'm with the latter. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you, Congressman. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you next week here on the Dave Ellswick uh, Show. We're out of time. Ken, thanks so much Thank you. for coming in. Are you coming tomorrow? Uh, I can. Come on in. Okay. Come on in. we got more things to talk yeah. about what's going on here in the state. Let's do that tomorrow in the first hour. Joe and Duck will be with us in the second hour tomorrow talking cars. That's all coming your way on the next Dave Ellswick Show.